Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. And if you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review, but most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Say Hey Podcast, episode number 10. I'm your host today, James Donahue, and I'm going to be your host for every show, so hopefully that's not a deal breaker for you. Folks, congratulations. We successfully walked away, winning another series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and we're going to go ahead and dive into that here shortly. But before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and give you some news and notes around our team. And then after that, I'm going to look at the matchups that we have here in the future. Uh, The season's almost over, folks. And if the season ended today, then we would be in the playoffs. That's right. We have currently the eighth seed. And if the playoffs ended, then we would be facing the Dodgers. But before we get there, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We first have to get through a lot of tough matchups. And I'm going to go ahead and give us a little preview of that uh, before we can even think about a playoff spot. Don't get me wrong, I'm super excited and I want us to get there, but unfortunately, it's going to have to be a thing that we take step by step, day by day. And then after I look into the future matchups that we have uh, remaining for the rest of the season, then I'm going to go ahead and break down the series that we have that starts tonight against the Seattle Mariners. All right, with that being said, let's get right into it. So, some news and notes around our team. Let's start it off with Mr. Alex Dickerson. So, unfortunately, I am recording this show right after Monday night's game. So, at the moment, I tried to look at Twitter. I tried to find all the Giants beat reporters, tried to look up all their tweets. I'm sure there's going to be an article on it on The Athletic tomorrow. But at the moment, I do not have any news on Alex Dickerson. For those of you who did not watch Monday night's game, Dickerson fouled the ball off of his knee or ankle. It looked like his ankle at first, but then he was clutching his knee, grabbing his knee, could not walk, and it proved to be severe enough for him to be taken out of the game. So hopefully sometime during Tuesday, we'll hear some news, probably during the game, uh, on what's going on with him. Other news, Rico Garcia. Does anyone remember that name? Uh, Maybe you do, maybe you don't. If you do, then you've been watching the team all season. But Rico Garcia was a relief pitcher that we had to start the season, but then he got sent down because his performance wasn't as consistent as we would like. So he has been called up again, which is interesting. He's been called up from the alternate training site. We saw a little bit of him during the beginning of the season, as I said. Uh, But like me, you were probably slightly discouraged considering he has an ERA of 750 on the season, but he failed to surrender a single run while pitching at home. So maybe we see him come out of the bullpen here these next two games at home before we go to San Diego, but who knows? Just an update. Brandon Crawford, as we saw 
during Monday's game is back. Uh, if anyone was wondering where he was over the past two games before that, he was dealing with a minor hamstring tightness. But like I said, as we saw yesterday, Monday's game, he was healthy enough to play. So that's good news. Evan Longoria was someone, however, we did not see uh, in the game on Monday. And honestly, I'm not too worried about Longoria. I looked it up and it said he is dealing with a right glute tightness. So in my mind, that means he's dealing with a sore butt. So hopefully he can uh, get back on the field uh, very, very soon here. Nothing broken, nothing strained, just a sore butt. Now, some other news uh, on some injured veterans that have been on the shelf for quite some time now. That's right. I'm talking about Jeff Samarja and Drew Smiley. Gabe Kapler said that Drew Smiley might be ready to come off the injured list on Wednesday or Thursday. So we might see him be the second starter uh, of this two-game series versus the Mariners. But as of right now, we do not know yet. So Tyler Anderson might be pitching the second game, but he might not be. So I'll go ahead and talk about that a little later when I break down the Seattle Mariners matchup. But also, Jeff Samarja. As for the Shark, it sounds like the Giants might have Samarja face some more hitters and by what that means is he might throw another simulated game it doesn't seem that the coaching staff and the team is as confident in Samarja's health as they are in Drew Smiley I expect to see Smiley before Samarja but something that kind of dawned on me the other day was that this is Samarja's last year with the Giants um, so it, it's a strong possibility that this will be his last 20 games I know that they're motivated to get him back in and Gabe Kapler has come out and stated that he believes Samarja will be back in time to make some serious contribution. But at this point, he's not sure whether it will be uh, as a starter or as a reliever. So that will be something to note. All right. Also, Austin Slater is back. Welcome to the team. We missed you. He was dealing with a bunch of things. I think it was like a groin and an elbow. But... Good to see him back in the lineup. If you watched any of the Arizona games, then odds are you saw him there. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and just move on to the recap of Arizona. So game one was Tyler Anderson versus Taylor Clark. And in my opinion, neither of them had a performance that was anything to brag about. Starting with Anderson, he struggled to keep the Arizona bats quiet when he went four innings pitch and he gave up four earned runs on seven hits, including a home run and a double to Cattell Marte, who would go on to collect four total hits in the game. I tried to warn Anderson. I mean, you guys all heard me about Cattell, but I guess he didn't get the message. And Sam Coonrod had another disappointing outing as well when he gave up two earned runs on two hits and only pitching .1 innings. So, But also, luckily for us, that wouldn't be the case for games to come. After Coonrod, our bullpen would go on to keep the Snakes scoreless in 4.2 innings pitched, but unfortunately the deficit created by Anderson and Coonrod was too steep in order for us to come back. So it was actually kind of interesting. The Giants scored at least one run in every inning leading up to the game, but again, it was just too much. As for our hitting, we walked away with 12 total hits. We were hitting in this game just like we do every game. And some notable performances were doubles hit by Belt, Dickerson, Dubon, and Flores. And home runs also hit from Belt as well. And by home runs, I mean one home run. So Belt had a good game, walked away with a home run and a double. I think the most frustrating part about this game was that we did leave 11 runners on base. Uh, there was plenty of opportunities to have a bigger scoring deficit from our side of the ball. But ultimately, at the end of the day, five runs is still really good. And 12 hits is a lot to ask for when it comes to an offense. 
in baseball. So I'm happy with it. Little discouraged, but happy with it, especially considering how the next three games went. Which brings me to game two. And this was the most interesting game, in my opinion. It was the most emotional. It was the most sentimental because it was quite the sight to be seen uh, with Madison Bumgarner wearing a different uniform inside Oracle Park for the first time, not only in his career, but the first time in my lifetime. So it was definitely not something I was used to seeing, and I'm sure it wasn't something that all of us weren't used to seeing. In Bum's first start back from the disabled list, he managed to hold his old team to three hits in four innings pitched. However, he did surrender back-to-back solo home runs from Evan Longoria and Darren Ruff. I believe precautionary reasons kept him from uh, going deep into this game. Like I said, this was his first game off the injury list. I think he was heading into this game on a pitch count already. But those four innings he was pitching, I had never been more invested in a game this entire season than I was that day during those innings. I couldn't help but reflect on all the dominating performances he put on display for us Giants fans, whether it was leaving his mark in baseball history on the mound when he posted the lowest postseason ERA of all time with 1.94 or pitching 23 scoreless consecutive postseason innings, or maybe my favorite memory was him pitching five innings of relief in Game 7 of the 2014 World Series on two days rest. But of course, we can also never forget his ability to hit a home run pretty much any time he wanted to. And an exciting matchup I was excited to watch was Mad Bum facing his old teammate of nine years, Brandon Belt. However, the results were underwhelming when Belt could only produce a soft ground out and a walk for his second at-bat, which left me wanting more action between them, but I guess I'll just have to settle for the home runs by Longoria and Darren Ruff. On our side of the mound, Trevor Cahill only managed to pitch 2.2 innings and only gave up one earned run on two hits while striking out two. It was a little weird to see him be taken out, but I think the reason for that is because he still might not be 100% healthy. Otherwise, I fully believe Gabe Kapler would have kept him in if he was confident enough that he was healthy. It was definitely worrisome to see, but luckily the bullpen pretty much held their own for the rest of the game, thank God. After Cahill, Caleb Berger, Sam Coonrod, and Jarlin Garcia. I think it's Harlan, not Jarlin, but I don't know. Someone let me know if you're hearing me talk like this right now, the correct terminology. I'm going to keep saying Jarlin. Anyways, Jarlin Garcia, Sam Coonrod, Caleb Berger would all go on to collectively pitch 3.2 scoreless innings while striking out five batters. Very, very cool to see. However, Mr. Trevor Gott, we're familiar with your name, especially when you do something like this. Go on to surrender a solo home run to Dalton Varsho, who is another young player, uh, along with Gallen, who will be key to the Diamondbacks' future. So we're going to have to get used to hearing those two names. Dalton Varsho, who can play center field and catch. This guy is kind of a mystery, man. And Zach Gallen, who we're all too familiar with on the mound. Uh, so we're going to be seeing these guys for a very, very long time in a Diamondbacks uniform. Luckily for Gott, though, that home run would be the only run allowed by him, thank goodness. However, the Diamondbacks would score another run off Tyler Rogers, which is rather uncharacteristic by Rogers. but luckily he too only allowed one. Despite the tough outing from him, though, Sam Selman and Tony Watson would close out the game, making the series tied at 1-1. to pitching 1.1 innings without surrendering a run or hit and collecting one strikeout. Now, hitting. Besides the pair of home runs in the second inning, in the bottom of the sixth, Joey Bart and Mauricio Dubon hit back-to-back RBI triples to make the score 4-1. to 
the Giants would go on to collect nine total hits in this game and walk away with another win. And luckily for us, the winning would continue for Game 3. That's right, it was Johnny Cueto versus Alex Young. Cueto went 5.2 innings pitched, only surrendered two earned runs that came in the first inning on seven hits while striking out seven. The irony here, well... In my last episode, I was trying to explain to you guys that Cole Calhoun and David Peralta and some other Diamondbacks hitters had zero career hits in a lot of at-bats during their career. But in the first inning, Cole Calhoun and David Peralta both collected their first career hits against him, and they put they were able to put two runs on the board along with the help of Cattell Marte. However, besides that action in the first inning, the Snakes remained relatively quiet for the rest of the game. After Caleb Berger came into the sixth inning to help Johnny Cueto and the Giants escape the inning with bases loaded, Jarlin Garcia, Tony Watson, and Tyler Rogers all combined for three scoreless relief innings while collecting six strikeouts and only giving up one hit to easily seal the second win of the series. Some offensive highlights from this game consisted of a solo home run from Chadrick Chadwick, there we go, Chadwick Trump in the bottom of the third, and also home runs were hit by Donovan Solano and Brandon Belt, which was a pinch hit home run by Belt. The Giants would collect 12 total hits in this game, including three from Solano and two from Slater. Like I said, welcome back. As for Game 4, things were really exciting if you really enjoy pitching duels, because that's exactly what you got between Kevin Gosman and Zach Gallen. Up until the sixth inning, Gallen was showing the entire world why he's being considered to receive the NL Cy Young Award. Gallen's stat line reads four earned runs on five hits in five innings, but it definitely did not feel that way because of all the action coming in one inning. Leading up to the sixth inning, the Giants could not buy a win no matter what the price was, but thanks to a leadoff walk from Pablo Sandoval, a four-run inning was sparked forcing Gallen to leave the game. This is exactly what the Giants needed to do in order to win this game, and that was to get Gallen out early. He truly is one of the most dominating pitchers in the entire league right now, and for the Giants to knock him out of the game was so huge. As for Kevin Gosman, I personally believe he had his best outing of the season. In six innings pitched, he only surrendered one run on two hits while collecting nine strikeouts. This outing ties the lowest amount of runs given up this year by Gosman, and nine strikeouts were the second most he's gotten all season. Gosman did not give up a single home run, which is the most encouraging thing to see considering that he has given up eight on the season so far. I know I talked about Gosman as a possible trade piece when it came to the trade deadline, but I can definitely see why they didn't want to make that move. In an interview I saw with Farhan Zaidi, he was saying that the reason why Gosman was not dealt at the deadline was because we weren't going to get enough back for him. We value him very highly, and Farhan would go on to say that Gosman wants to stay here. He has openly voiced that he loves what's going on in this dugout, Farhan that is, and that's so huge to hear. To have that type of chemistry going on in a clubhouse is something very rare to find these days. Okay, moving on to our relief pitching on Monday night's game. Wendy Peralta pitched a solid inning of baseball, did not give up a run or hit, and he did strike out a batter. Super solid. Way to go, Wendy. It's not Randy, it's Wendy. Then Sam Selman would pitch a successful inning without any damage, but on two outs, Selman causes Cole Calhoun to hit a sky-high pop-up that barely leaves the infield, and unfortunately, Solano could not make the catch. Sadly for Selman, that would be his last batter, handing the ball over to Sam Coonrod, who, thank goodness, was able to get out of the inning. 
After that, Coonrod would go on to pitch the rest of the game. He did not. He did give up a solo home run, however, to David Peralta. But fortunately for us, that was the extent of the damage in the ninth inning. When it comes to the hitting in this game, the most notable performance came from Mr. Pablo Sandoval, the panda himself. And the reason that is is because he led off the sixth inning with a walk in the bottom of the sixth. And that was the most important thing that happened in this game because that sparked the offensive eruption that came into sixth inning, leading Zach Gallen to give up four earned runs in that inning and ultimately kicking him out of the game. Some other offensive standouts were Darren Ruff stepping in for the injured Alex Dickerson, collecting two hits, including a two-RBI single in the sixth inning and also a double in the eighth. Over his last eight at-bats, Darren Ruff, that is, he's produced a batting average of 625 while hitting two doubles and a home run. So I think it's safe to say that we're definitely going to be seeing more of him in the lineup, especially with the uncertainty of Alex Dickerson's injury. Another standout was Yaz. Yaz is always a beautiful standout. He also he also collected two hits. And his first hit actually was the first hit of the game. He was the first batter that Gallen faced. Yaz was able to lead off the first inning with a leadoff single, but then there was no other action from the Giants' bats until the sixth inning. The final score of this game would be 4-2, and the Giants are walking away from this series. Well, they're not really walking. They're staying for the next homestand. The Arizona Diamondbacks are walking away with the Giants winning three games out of four. All right, the next series that we have is a two-game home series against the Seattle Mariners, and game one will be tonight at 6.45 p.m. against Logan Webb and L.J. Newsom. L.J. is spelt L-G-A-Y. Very interesting. Way to go, L.J.'s parents. All right, this is going to be a very interesting matchup considering that neither pitcher has ever faced the opposing hitters they are facing in this game. Logan Webb has not seen a single Seattle Mariner. Likewise to LJ, has not seen anyone in the San Francisco lineup. So we'll see how this goes. The only breakdown I can offer for Logan Webb is that in 18.2 innings pitch at home, Webb has recorded 21 strikeouts, which equates to a 10.13 strikeouts per nine innings versus his 7.13 strikeouts per nine when he pitches away on the road. Also, in 19 innings pitched at night, Webb has produced an ERA of 2.84 versus his ERA of 6.75 when he pitches during the day. Why am I saying this? Because he pitches better at night at home, which is what's happening tonight. We are at night at home. 2 plus 2 equals 4. Moving on. His past two outings were a little shaky against the Dodgers and Rockies, but I'm confident he can find his way back on track for this short homestand. As for Mr. LJ, on the year so far, he has an ERA of 2.57. He has only appeared twice so far this season, and that is mainly due to the fact that he made his big league debut against the Padres last week and pitched four innings while only surrendering one earned run on three hits and struck out four. He has a low to mid-90s fastball with a pretty nasty curve from what I've seen. And in my opinion, the way he beats this Giants offense is by keeping our hitters off balance, which he's so far been able to do against the Padres and the Dodgers. But he has given up a home run in both of his outings, so that'll be interesting uh, to see what he does against us. In Game 2, as of right now, Tyler Anderson is slated to make the start. But as I mentioned in the beginning of the 
of the episode, we might be seeing Drew Smiley instead. At this moment, I do not know. We may know more come Tuesday. If Tyler Anderson is the starter, then he desperately needs to get back on track. His past two outings have been rough, but the good news is that it's not against Arizona. That's right. His past three outings have all been against Arizona. You know, folks, after a while, if a team faced me three different times, I'm pretty sure they would figure out how to hit my pitches. So thank God they're getting back on the road far away from here. As I was saying about Tyler Anderson, before those outings, he faced six different teams and only gave up more than two runs twice. That being said, some hitters that we need to talk about for not really matched up base reasons, but in my opinion, I'm not really sure how familiar everyone is with the Seattle Mariners. So this should give you some familiarity with, with the type of power that they have, the type of players that they have, and the type of ball that they play. So with that being said, the first hitter that we need to be aware of is Mr. Kyle Seager. That's right, brother of Corey Seager, the shortstop of the Los Angeles Dodgers, except this guy plays third base. On the season so far, he's batting 285, which is definitely serviceable, but something that's scary is that he has seven home runs and 30 RBIs on the year. Another dangerous hitter that they have is Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis is batting 313 on the year with nine home runs and 23 RBIs. And the last hitter I will mention is Mr. Dylan Moore, who has a 300 batting average with six home runs, 14 RBIs, and eight stolen bases. On the other side of the mound for the Mariners, we have Nick Mar- Margavicius. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but that was the best I got. He currently has a 1-2 record on the season and is sporting a 3.86 ERA. Over his past three outings, he has faced Houston, the Texas Rangers, and the Los Angeles Angels, and in that time frame has produced a 4.15 ERA, and opponents are maintaining a team batting average of 258. He's got a low 90s fastball, and this isn't something I'm too afraid of, especially with the team that is leading the league in hits. That's right. That's our team. I don't expect this to be very challenging for the Giants. I actually expect this to be very fun for us as spectators and fans of our team. And I'm just going to go ahead and make a bold take here. I think the Giants can easily walk... Uh, I'll stay a little humble. I won't say easily. But I think the Giants can absolutely walk away uh, from this series, sweeping them, having two wins, heading into the next series at San Diego when we play the Padres. However, the keys to this game is to keep the Mariners off the bases. The reason being is because they lead the league in steals. They are an extremely fast team, and this is a series where we need to play top-notch defense because any sort of mistake, no matter how big or small, can hurt us on the bases. Another key to this game is getting our bats hot early. Something that we've witnessed this year is that the only bullpen that's really been able to size us up and shut us down is the Oakland A's bullpen and the Dodgers bullpen. If we can get to any team's bullpen pretty quickly, then the odds are heavily in our favor. All right, folks, before we close out the show, I want to do one last segment. And during this segment, I'm going to be breaking down the rest of the regular season just to give you a little bit of a preview of what to expect. So as I mentioned, obviously, we have two games at home against the Seattle Mariners. Then we will go on to San San Diego and have four games there. Then we have an off day. Then we have two more games versus Seattle, but that's going to be in Seattle. Then another off day. And then this is where things get exciting for me. But before we do that, I'm going to give a prediction here. I already said that I think we can win 
these next two games at home versus Seattle for the four-game series at San Diego. I'm fairly confident in saying that we can win at least two games. It would be amazing if we could win three games, but San Diego is a very tough team, so I would definitely be happy walking away with two wins. Then for the final two games versus Seattle, I think we can walk away with one. I think after winning the two first games against Seattle, I think they learn and adapt to our lineup and figure out how to finally beat us. So I'm predicting a sweep for this series, then two games against San Diego, and then one game against the next Seattle series. Now, to the juicy part of the schedule. The reason why it excites me is because I view it as 10 games at home, and let me tell you why. After the two games in Seattle versus the Mariners, we have an off day, and then we come to Oakland, a.k.a. the Bay Area, a.k.a. our home, and play three games there. Now, when it comes time, I'm going to go ahead and dive deeper into this series, but I honestly think we have a really, really strong shot at walking away with two wins in this series. I predicted it that very last time we played the Oakland A's, and I'm, I'm predicting it again, and here's why. We are a very different team than we were back then in the middle of this 60-game series, mainly because of our hitting. Belt, for example, leading up to that series was hitting 135 with 15 strikeouts in 12 games. Since then, he has a batting average of 491 with 14 extra base hits, 11 walks, and 10 strikeouts over his last 19 games. Another batter is Longoria. He was batting 213 up until that Oakland series with only two extra base hits, and since then has produced a 325 batting average with five doubles, four home runs, and 27 total hits over his last 21 games. And lastly is Crawford. He was batting 208 leading up to that Oakland series, and since then has produced a 345 batting average with six doubles, four home runs, 14 RBIs, and seven walks over his last 16 games. Our hitting is different. We've always been good offensively, but we got better over the course of the season. Not to mention, if we look back at those three games, during game one, we were winning 6-2 to two heading into the ninth, and during game two, winning 6-3 to three heading into the ninth again. So, not to mention, our bullpen has become more solidified, and our relievers have a more a more firm foundation with their roles, and not to mention Gabe Kapler has become 10 times more familiar with what he has in that bullpen and how to use it. I think we are a completely different team heading into this Oakland series at home. And again, I say home, but we're playing at Oakland, so it's pretty much like home. And I think we have the ability to walk away with two wins again. Yes, I know the Oakland A's are one of the best teams in, in baseball, but so are we. Not pitching, I won't make a strong argument that we have the best pitching in the league, but we do have some of the best hitting in the league currently right now. I'll remind you again that we lead the league in hits. So all we have to do is put up some type of serviceable pitching performance, and we are in this game, and we can compete with any team. Moving on to the next series, we're going to play the Colorado Rockies at home. I'm not going to dive too much into it because we know we can score against the Colorado Rockies because we scored 40 runs in two games during the last time we played them. And now we get to do it at home, which is even a bigger advantage. And then once we get through that four-game series with Colorado, we stay at home and play three games versus San Diego again. And on Friday, I'm going to go ahead and dive into the San Diego team that we're going to be facing now because it definitely is not the same San Diego team that we faced in the beginning of the season. They've gotten better, in my opinion. They're one of the best teams in the National League. But the same thing 
the same logic I applied to the A series definitely applies to here as well. We are not the same team, as I just mentioned, and we've gotten better as well. And not to mention, I hate bringing this up, but Kapler will not make the same mistake he did in the 10th inning when we faced the San Diego Padres when he visited the mound two times in a row unintentionally, creating a, a catastrophic 10th inning. I think, I think they scored like five or six runs in that inning. Needless to say, things are going to be different. Things are different. We are one of the best offensive teams in this league, and our bullpen has become more established. The only factor that we have is whether we are going to have a starting pitcher out there that's going to provide a serviceable performance for us in order to stay competitive, which honestly, our starters have been competitive, minus Tyler Anderson recently. But other than that, we know that Cueto is going to shove. We know that Kevin Gosman is going to shove. We know that a healthy Trevor Cahill can shove, like I said, when he's healthy, and he will be healthy because if the Giants want to make a playoff run, we need at least three serviceable starters. And as I mentioned earlier, earlier, we have some veteran starters coming off the injured list, so that can definitely add depth to our starting rotation. Folks, I'm sorry for the intensity, but this is actually kind of crazy how real this playoff run is. We actually have a shot. When it comes down to a one-game series, we have some of the best odds in the league because of how competitive our offense can be. All we need is one good game against the Dodgers where Johnny Cueto keeps them off balance for six innings and then our hitters supply the power. But as I mentioned, let's stay humble first and let's get through these 18 games that we have during the regular season because we do have some pretty tough matchups here. Like I mentioned, we're going to be playing San Diego, who's a really, really good competitive team. We play them twice and we do play one of the best American League teams in Oakland. And as I always say, anything can happen when you're playing the Colorado Rockies. But I am confident that this isn't going to be easy for those teams either because our offense will do what it's done all season and get hits and get players on base. All we need is a little consistency from our starting pitching. And also, something we also need is for us to not make errors. I'm kind of done with that. So if we can go ahead and nix that for the rest of this regular season, then that would be great. Folks, that's going to be all for Tuesday's show, episode number 10 of the Say Hey Podcast. Thank you so much for sticking around if you have this far at this point and thanks again for the support that you all have shown over the course of this season it has been absolutely overwhelming and i couldn't be more grateful for you all folks again you can find the say hey podcast on spotify and apple podcast and you can go ahead and leave a review and tell me just how much you like the show or you can just rate the show to show me how much you like it it's a good time to be a giants fan folks And it's a good time to be excited about some playoff baseball. Hopefully everyone had a very safe and very fun Labor Day weekend. And also make sure to be on the lookout for the next episode. Episode 11 will be coming out on Friday unless further notice by me. But other than that, that is all I got today. Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. And don't forget, go Giants.